Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Homefield Apparel. I'm Carlos. Joining me today is Greg Abinanamorse. How's everyone doing? And Angry Boy, Matt Hubertson at No Pit Stops. Greg, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah. That was so kind of you. <laughs> uh, no, Carlos no, just went right past it. That was no so Avery or Reed today. Avery is out sick. Reed is out finally spending some time with his family instead of arguing with me. <laughs> So, uh, best wishes to those two as they set to join us. It really was Reed's last time, last time. Uh, so, shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. Like the video, send us in your comments and thoughts, and subscribe to the channel. Podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in once again. Be sure to follow the show and rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. If you send in five stars, uh, we'll read your review. Also, we have uh, extra bonus Pac-12 football content for you on Patreon. The gang now has preview episodes for all uh, Pac-12 schools, including the Washington LA schools. Go check that out at notruckstops.com. And later on this week, we will be doing a deep dive into the week one slate. Uh, usually what we do during these episodes is give a uh, give our picks but our Patreon episode is going to do a deep dive into the slate, uh, favorite games, things to watch out for, all that sort of stuff. So all of that is at notruckstops.com. Okay, we have actual football to talk about. We'll preview the upcoming week. We'll talk a little realignment with Stanford and Cal. We'll talk about ASU's bowl ban, on and on and on and on. But first, we had some football. Matthew Hubertson, you want to recap the game that was yesterday? Yeah, we had real-ass football being played. Uh, unlike whatever that spring game uniform matchup was in Ireland, I hated that. <laughs> um, USC dominated uh, in the second half to beat San Jose State 56-28. to uh, Good teams win, but great teams cover, and San Jose State is a great, great team. Uh, score was 21-14 <laughs> to 14 in the first half, and if it weren't for the fluky 26-yard touchdown pass to Taj Washington, after a bad snap, it would have been tied at 14 but we got a fairly common Caleb Williams performance uh, to go along with what many are calling the Zachariah branch game. Uh, USC controlled the second half. Um, Main takeaways are that USC's defense still bad, still can't tackle and do not, I repeat, do not kick the ball to Zachariah branch. I am begging you don't (laughs) kick the ball to that man. (laughs) Electric, uh, truly electric. Greg, any instant reactions to this game as you, as we were, as you were watching it? Yeah. I mean, one, I, I want to take issue with calling that touchdown fluky from Williams to Taj Washington. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's Caleb Williams, and uh, nothing he, he can do anything. So I'm not going to call any touchdown from him fluky because it's just that's what you get when you have Caleb Williams on your team, touchdowns like that. Uh, but I do want to say USC's defense, somehow worse than I remembered. Like, I remembered them being bad last year. And I wasn't expecting, like, a great amount of improvement. But I thought, you know, there would be some things in week one they would look pretty good against a team like San Jose State. No, they looked they looked dreadful. Uh, the USC defense, for me, I'm, I'm very concerned about how they're going to, because they're a team with playoff aspirations, how they're going to get through this schedule without losing a stupid fucking game. Because like Matt said, this one could have been a lot closer uh, because of just... the de- it just They look so uninterested out there for the vast majority of that game. Just zero interest in making tackles, which was the exact reason they lost to Utah in the Pac-12 title game. It's the exact reason people were concerned about them coming into the year. And I think, I don't know, in my mind, USC, I've, I've bumped them down a couple pegs. Because of that, I, I'm very concerned. 
I think defensively, uh, yeah, it was it was a concerning game. I think we were sort of we're like doing this thing where we're really like picking at. We have to do this. It's the first game of the season. They're playing San Jose State, and so we're sort of nitpicking. But the defense was was genuinely concerning. Uh, I, I sort of you're right, Greg. I was sort of expecting some improvement. I sort of thought, you know, San Jose State was going to get some moments, but it felt like San Jose State, it rarely felt like San Jose State went through a long stretch where they were off the field, right? It just did not feel like they were getting several three and outs in a row, which would have been super helpful. Um, but but instead, it was like in the run game, it felt like as, San Jose State's running back is so thick. <laughs> he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, little, uh, a little wrecking ball. And USC had a really hard time taking him down. It felt like he broke several tackles. I got to go back and see if we've got some some stats on the on the broken tackles that he had there. Um, Javon, what's his name? Siobhan Cordero, the quarterback for San Jose State. We're gonna have to learn his name because he's playing San Jose State next week, uh, or he's playing Oregon State next week. Uh, he torched them. I mean, I he, I get it. He was like uh, the, on the broadcast. They mentioned he was preseason All Mountain West uh, and and the preseason I guess favorite for Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. So I mean, in some ways, that's like okay, it's somewhat defensible. But they gave up a at one point they gave up a third and twenty two on like a broken play, uh, and Siobhan Cordero like scrambled a, a third and twenty two, which was like inexcusable. Um, so there's a several, and then you know, of course, I, I will say that uh, USC's defense was bad, but it was a lot of fun watching this game because we had some highlight plays from both sides. We had that insane uh, touchdown catch where the receiver bobbled it up to himself and then somehow came down with it uh, in the end zone. Absolutely <laughs> absurd play. Um, but you're right. I think the defense was struggled. I do think, and know you all are going to laugh, but I think this has been corroborated by people who are also watching the game who are USC fans. It did feel like Eric Gentry being in there mattered. He was getting limited snaps, did not play a whole hell of a lot, but it did feel like the snaps that he was out there for, he had a material impact on what USC was doing. It was really weird to watch. I did not expect him to have as big of an impact as he did. Um, I mean, certainly he would, there was a few plays where schemat- you can't ju- you just can't do anything about uh, real schematic brain deadness, right? Like uh, <laughs> Alex Grinch having six defenders out in no man's land covering nothing while San Jose State had like three dudes over the top. Like there's nothing Eric Gendry can do about that. Um, but he was, he was, Eric Gentry was good when he was out there, um, and did stabilize the defense a little bit. So I'm really curious to see how that progresses. Matthew Burson, what about you? You have any, uh, are you feeling the same way about USC's defense? You're feeling like it's, uh, fraudulent. Are you worried about it? Or you think we're overreacting to one game? Um, I think that the sentiment of they were worse than we remember is overblown. Um, Mm. they are just this bad, right? They were this bad last year and they are going to continue to be this bad and specifically against a quarterback that is actually decent and can take care of the ball and isn't turning the ball over four times a game. Cough, Oregon State, cough, Washington State, cough, however many other teams they played that they were able to do that too. Like this is kind of what the defense is going to look like as far as Eric Gentry goes, like, that's great. Like, yes, he is far more comfortable in the system than the other middle linebackers that they have running out there. They still like, he still gives up some really dumb plays. He still gives up some really bad plays. When you look at like what San Jose state actually did and you take out the explosive plays that a negative 16 EPA uh, per play, like it's just, they are negative 16 EPA without the explosive plays. So I think that this continues to just be a situation where this team is going to live and die on 
what side of the line their explosive plays end up on defensively. Are they giving up a bunch of explosive plays or are they generating a bunch of explosive plays? Because they're not going to consistently suffocate you. They're not going to consistently be able to beat you on a down and down out basis. And I think that that's really concerning. I think that that's something that especially you look at the teams that are now on the schedule. Oregon can explosive play them to death. Like Oregon can explosive play them to a win. Washington can explosive play them to a win. UCLA can explosive play them to a win. And this is where you're looking at USC and you just have a really hard time getting watching them get through the schedule. Shit, Notre Dame like actually mm-hmm. has a competent offense now. Like I have a really hard time seeing them get through the schedule with less than two losses on the season. Like I just I just can't see it. I don't care if they're scoring 70 points a game. They're going to give up 75. <laughs> uh, USC gave up six explosive plays and as I say as you mentioned Matthew Hubertson 17% explosive play rate uh, on the ground per game on paper.com I see some some other numbers that was like 22% 21% but the point is it's high like 17% uh, of, of explosive play rate on running plays is and bad I, it's and high I, and I get that those are like a running quarterback the good thing is is that in college football we definitely don't run into those every single week so like <laughs> really glad that notoriously has none uh yeah <laughs> no athletes super immobile position. pocket passers in the pac-12 absolutely yeah I, there, there was some there's some concerning stuff there and it feels like i don't know I'm, i i i don't really get this narrative from usc in the offseason that they just needed like more talent needed to rebuild the defense with like better players they had talent last year that's like in, that's an it's always been an insane narrative to me that makai blackman Dad, Tuli Tui Pelotu, who was literally a defensive player of the year. Eric Gentry was there, younger version of Eric Gentry, but Eric Gentry was there. Uh, they had Cam Bullock. Like, they had a bunch of dudes that I think are talented. This year, they just added more talented dudes, and uh, I, I'm not sure it's helped yet. It's one game. I think it's, it is it is fair to say that maybe we're overreacting a little bit. It is one game. They did beat San Jose State 56-28. This game does have the vibes of uh, Washington-Kent State last year uh, where I felt like, uh, yeah, Washington handily beat Kent State. It was never really in doubt, but they gave up a ton of a ton of points, uh, way too many points, way too many yards. That's what, that's what this game feels like to me. Um, let's, let's turn over to the offensive side of the ball because I actually disagree with you, Matt, that uh, they're going to – they're going to lose a bunch of games because of their defense. Because I, I think their offense looks shaky, and it put up nearly 60 points in this game. Greg, uh, what did you think of USC's offense in this one? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I have something on the offensive side of the ball that's just as concerning to me as the defenses. That offensive line looked horrendous. But looked PFF terrible. told me they were top 10 in the nation, Greg. What about what happened to that? <laughs> I think it's fair to say the offensive line definitely looked worth, worse than they did for most of last year. Uh, yeah. Like, that line last year was not great, and it wasn't deep, but at least for most of the year, Caleb Williams did not look like he was constantly in danger of taking a hit that was going to make him decide to sit out the rest of the year for dra- draft prep. Whereas there were some times in this game where he had to do some very creative things to avoid getting lit up. And there was that one time where he's running away from the rushers and he gets, like, driven into a bench on the sidelines. (laughs) Oh, that was running a triple to the short side. That That was was a really weird play call I've ever seen. (laughs) That was some weird play calling in this one. But uh, I, I was not impressed by USC's offensive line at all. The run blocking, I guess there were some times where Austin Jones got some nice holes to run through. But uh, 
the pass blocking I don't think was good, and I think that's very concerning. Uh, Pac-12 doesn't have a ton of elite defensive lines or pass rushers, which is good, but like when you play a Notre Dame, they're going to have talent on the defensive line. Uh, and then the better teams in the Pac-12 that USC has to play still have some guys on the defensive line. Like Utah will have a good defensive line. Washington has Braylon Trice, and if ZTF maybe returns to his previous form, that could be dangerous for USC. Oregon has talent on the defensive line. I think this is all very dangerous for USC. Uh, and Caleb Williams especially, because if he goes down, I think he showed us in this game, like, no matter what happens with the rest of their team, USC has a floor of being dangerous because you've got the best player in the country. But if Caleb Williams goes down, what is USC? Uh, Matthew Richardson, let's hear your reactions to the offense. I think you, I think uh, go ahead and take your shots at them. I, I'm, I've got some thoughts, but go ahead, Matt. Yeah, the offensive line is still bad. That That's really the only problem that I see here. I am intrigued to see how the wide receiver room develops. Um, nobody had more than four catches. Um, I think that it's pretty clear that Zachary Branch needs to be the number one option here. Um, but I am curious to kind of see where he's at in his development as far as route running, as far as the ability to just get open all of the time and be a really, really reliable force. Uh, obviously, he's going to be a massive threat anytime he touches the ball. Um, but I am curious to see like that. It, this game felt like it was missing a Jordan Addison. It felt like it was missing any sort of a, yeah, we're just going to go to our guy five, six, seven times. Um, just a ridiculous amount of pass, pass catchers that they have. And th- there's a ton of talent throughout that room. Like this isn't anything where I'm saying that this is a concern um, as much as I'm just, I'm curious to see how their wide receiver room develops. Cause it, there's a lot of dudes and a lot of names and a lot of numbers that like I was watching that game and I was like, I have no idea who any of these guys are. <laughs> like there's just so many <laughs> that are getting rotated in there. It's really hard to keep up with the names and who is all playing. Um, so I am curious to kind of see how that goes. Otherwise, yeah, they're going to score a shitload of points. They're going to be incredible. Caleb Williams is amazing. I, he's, in, he's amazing. <laughs> like I, there's not really much else to say offensively. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I think you're right. And in the offensive line, certainly concerning, uh, certainly something worth paying attention to certainly looked worse. I think you both are correct, but, but I sort of think this USC offense has the, has, (laughs) it feels like they have more options than they did last year, at least in terms of receiver, at least in terms of running back. It feels like they've, that Caleb Williams has more weapons than he did the year before. Uh, and that's fucking concerning, uh, to me. That's uh, scary as hell. He's got uh, guys like he's got anywhere from I don't know. He's got Zachariah Branch, who like we're not talking about enough. That mm-hmm. was an incredible fucking game from Zachariah Branch. Like I, I don't remember a freshman, true freshman, having the debut that Zachariah Branch did. Uh, he returned a kick for a touchdown. Looked like he was gonna break a couple of more. Uh, had a few. Had four catches, I think, off like sixty yards. Um, he looked incredible. I, I think he looked like Marquise Lee reincarnate to me. Uh, he's he's dangerous, and and he frankly, I I don't know. I don't remember feeling that way about Jordan Addison. Um, the way I just felt about Zachariah Branch. Obviously, I think Jordan Addison was a more experienced player, and not saying that Zachariah Branch polished. would be better immediately. Yeah, but Zachariah Branch looks more talented than I think USC than anything USC had last year. So I am really curious to see how they end up using because he is a fucking nightmare. 
Brendan Rice, Taj Washington, I thought they were great. I thought they were fantastic. They've got, uh, they had a, a couple touchdown catches themselves. Taj Washington, obviously the beneficiary of that absolutely insane Caleb Williams play where he fumbles the ball and then launches it. Y'all talked about that. Brandon Rice had himself a touchdown pass, a touchdown catch uh, in that game. Super quiet, but uh, but he was another option that you could throw there. Dorian Singer, also himself a little bit quiet, but was an option. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm uh, – I am I think they're I'm – le- I'm a little less concerned about the offensive line issues because they didn't have a great offensive line last year in terms of plast blocking and look how that worked. Um, so I do think that this offense is good enough to, I don't know, get – usc over some over some shootouts several shootouts uh i don't know that there's a team in the pac-12 that has anywhere near the offensive firepower that usc does and that includes washington that includes oregon that includes a ucla like i I don't know i'd I'd pick two uh, i'd pick zachariah branch over anything washington has i may put taj washington somewhere in the middle between Jalen mcmillan and roma dunze um and like Washington doesn't have the running backs that uh, USC does, and Caleb Williams is head and, above, head and shoulders above Michael Penix. So yeah, in a shootout, I do think USC could absolutely go blow for blow and and surpass any of the teams on their schedule. So I'm I get that the defense is bad, but they haven't needed it. I completely agree that their offense is head and shoulders above everyone else. The thing is, is you need to adjust for that other offense is playing against USC's defense. Mm-hmm. Like you need to adjust the fact that like yes. Like the explosiveness and just the top end ability for USC's offense can absolutely compete with any defense out there. But the other offense is playing against USC's defense. And the delta between USC's defense and that offense is just as big, if not bigger, than the delta between USC's offense and whatever defense they're playing. Greg, you agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, and again, I am worried about a Caleb Williams injury because of what that offensive line looks like and that drastically impacts what USC can do this year. The depth at receiver, like you said, though, is insane. Like, I don't think there's another team in the country that can go as far down their depth chart at receiver and still be pumping out guys who are quality starters at the high Power 5 level. Uh, That's very impressive, but wish they could have used some of those spots on some great offensive linemen. I mean, I'm just going to... I'm just going to say Ohio State probably has a good... They, they, good they probably do, room, but, but do they have that many? Like, obviously, the top-end talent's better there. They have for, like, the last five years, yeah. But yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm curious to... I, I also thought there was some... Uh, our homie, West Texas, Mike, kind of brought up this comment. He says, on that one play when Caleb threw, his ha- threw up his hands near the end of the first half, some are arguing it was because Caleb rolled over his own guy and wasn't down. That's why the show of emotion. There was a point, uh, the point that West Texas Mike is referring to, is when Caleb Williams was knocked down or was seemingly upset at his offensive line for I don't know not protecting him well enough, and he was sort of yelling at his line. It looked like he was it was they were it was him yelling at his line, which, um, in my opinion, was pretty tough body language in the first game of the season to San Jose State. Um, but some I guess there's a theory out there that maybe it was maybe it was him yelling at refs or something to say he wasn't down watching it live i definitely thought he was yelling at the refs he didn't think he was down because immediately he started to run forward like he thought you know he'd never touched the ground and then 
that's when he threw up his yeah. hands. So I don't think he was mad at his line on that play, although there were a couple times where I thought he might have been. <laughs> yeah, there, there was another time that like, <laughs> a wide receiver just whiffed on a block, like completely whiffed, and it could have gone for a big yardage. And he definitely threw his hands up at him, and it was warranted. <laughs> I'm not blaming Caleb Williams for being pissed about that. Was, he was right. <laughs> Quick question here about uh, a non-USC team, non-Pac-12 team. San Jose State. They have a shot at beating Oregon State. It's it's in San Jose. Any shot whatsoever? I don't know that in San Jose State, like in San Jose matters too much as much as like, yeah, they got a quarterback. Like anytime you have a good G5 quarterback, you're going to have a chance. So um, I think it is definitely a, a real ass test for Oregon State. Let's see. Let's see if that offense can be somewhat balanced. Yeah. Uh, I think this will be a very good I'm excited to see Oregon State's defense in that game because we've seen mm-hmm. USC's defense against the San Jose State offense, and I I want to see a substantial gap in terms of performance uh, for what Oregon State can do against this offense. It's nice to have two Pac-12 teams play the same team back-to-back so we can really judge units like that. I'm excited to see it, and I, I'll be I'll be hopefully looking for a dominant— well, not dominant, but like a— What's the word I'm looking for? A comfortable defensive performance against San Jose State. Yeah, I just want to see discipline. Exactly. Right? Like they yeah. probably don't they don't have that top end talent that USC has, but like we've talked about that they have really good coaching mm-hmm. and and that they are a very disciplined defense. And that's that's something that should suffocate even like a really good running dynamic quarterback. So um yeah. Yeah, here's to see. I, I I sort of walked away being like, I don't know, this is a little scary if I'm if I'm Morgan State. I kind of think I get it. I don't watch truck stops, but I did. You did get a little bit of 2021 Fresno State vibes from them. And so, and that that that, team had Jake Hayner and that sort of thing. You gotta stop doing that. Jake Hayner was special, man. We don't we don't have to besmirch his name. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta stop doing that one. Like that, I'll let I'll let a lot of your bullshit go. That one we gotta we we can't be doing that. (laughs) I will say, I did think the San Jose State defense looked fine, like. They gave up fifty six points. They gave up fifty six points to USC. You know, yes, I think yes. I think it's different. No, nothing they did made me think like, oh, this is just a dreadful defense that Oregon State's going to torch. Like I think DJU will have to be decent for Oregon State to uh, to score, and so I'm excited to see that as well. Yeah, that game is happening on a Sunday in San Jose again. Another Weird really timing. strange Pac-12 road game. Don't know why we're doing this. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's our recap of the first game of the 2023 Pac-12 football season. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Jen Cohen. We'll talk about Cal Stanford. We'll talk about ASU's bowl ban and the week one slate. Don't go anywhere. No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast is presented by Homefield Apparel, the place to go for fun, good-looking, and comfortable college football apparel. I have been a customer of Homefield for years now, and I keep coming back because the clothes are just that good. Uh, today, I'm wearing this UCLA surf shirt with the uh, the Bruins surfing, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this is my favorite t-shirt that I own. Uh, not only is the design a lot of fun, but it's unbelievably comfortable. I wear their entire UCLA collection so much that there are a lot of people I know on campus at Utah who think I'm from California, so that's cool. Um, It's not just that the clothes look so great uh, that keeps me coming back, though. Uh, They're always releasing new designs, 
and so there's always something new to get. Uh, we are currently in the midst of Homefield's Can't Miss Kickoff event, where they will be releasing all sorts of never-before-seen designs that you simply can't miss. Most notably for us in the Pac-12, they have an exclusive football bundle that has just dropped for Colorado, so be sure to check that out. And if you don't wear apparel from teams outside your own and you're not a Colorado fan or a UCLA fan, uh, that's fine because Homefield now has offerings for every Pac-12 school with the, except, with the exception of Stanford. Uh, go check it out today and remember to use promo code NOTRUCKSTOPS23 for 15% off your first purchase. All right, we are back. Uh, we've got some Pac-12 news to get to, so let's get right to it. First bit of news here. This just dropped this morning here on a Sunday. Arizona State has decided to self-impose a postseason ban for the 2023 football season as a result of investigations into violations of NCAA rules under Herm Edwards' regime, uh, which... Honestly, all that shit felt like 10 years ago, if I'm being honest. Um, but ASU imposing a self-imposing a postseason ban. We'll see if that satisfies the NCAA. But any reactions to this news, Greg? Uh, yeah, like you said, it does feel like so long ago that Herm Edwards was the coach of Arizona State. But I kind of wonder why they didn't do it last year. That was the first Bingo. thing that I thought with this one. Like... <laughs> You weren't going to make the postseason last year. You had all the information you have now last year. Why the fuck didn't you impose the postseason ban then? Especially because it might have helped firing Herm for cause. <laughs> it, it, I'm, yeah. I'm really confused about why they did it this year is basically what I'll say. And why didn't they just let the NCAA do it if you were going to? Matthew Brisson, same reaction? Yeah, same reaction as far as like, okay, if you're going to self-impose, why would you not do it last year mm-hmm. when you're clearly going to suck? When you are going to be so bad, self-impose when it doesn't affect you. This team has a legitimate chance of going bowling this year. And like to have this, you're really cutting out that like, hey, you're a five-win team, you have two games left type of motivation to try to get to a bowl game. My other reaction is why are we still self-imposing? The NCAA has no teeth whatsoever and isn't doing shit anymore. Why are we self-imposing and like trying to get out in front of whatever potential like punishment is coming? Because there's no punishment coming. There's nothing happening. Don't punish yourself. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's been literal years uh, since this has gone down. I don't know. Were they getting something? Maybe they're getting one of those uh, letters of allegations or whatever the fuck, and they're trying to get out ahead of it. Um, ASU fans are pissed about this, by the way. ASU Twitter is really mad. They're mad, I think, for many of the same reasons that you two brought up. The fact that this is coming down a year too late, that they would have rather have seen this happen last year when Herm Edwards was fired. And it would have made sense. We're firing Herm Edwards, and we are, um, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're going to impose a, a postseason ban. Uh, and they're mad that this is now going to affect the first year of Kenny Dellingham's era. They, I saw that some people were saying they've got a whole, they got dozens of new players, a, a bright new head coach, a potentially a bright future, and this season is now going to kind of uh, not really matter in terms of postseason. They were they had bowl games as a as a as a real benchmark here to see if they had progressed, and now now they won't they won't get to celebrate that with the bowl game. So yeah, I mean. Uh, I, People are mad. People are mad at athletic director Ray Anderson. There is a ton of smoke about uh, – there's at least a ton of anger around him. I don't think he's getting fired anytime soon, but people are absolutely pissed off at at him um, for what 
for this decision here. So I'm kind of a bummer to not see Arizona State in a bowl game. I think we were all sort of suspecting they might get there. I know when we did our playoff predictions, Greg and I had ASU at seven and five. Avery had them at eight and four. I think Matt, you had them at six and six, right? Mm-hmm. A bowl, you know, bowl eligible. Yeah, it would have been great to see him in a bowl game. So big, big bummer. Big, big bummer. Any other thoughts about ASU self-imposing a postseason ban? It just, it sucks. Uh, I totally get why ASU fans are mad. This is, it makes the season a little bit less fun for them because a bowl game would have been such a fun celebration of a good first year. And now they don't get that. And it makes me sad as somebody who's going to watch a lot of them this year. And I'm sure it really puts a damper on the season for them as fans. I did see some interesting stuff that, uh, from Chris Cartman and others that maybe ASU was doing a little bit to protect Herm Edwards's legacy. There was that whole bit about not firing him for cause, which was apparently very reasonable because he was getting uh, investigated by the NCAA. So they had maybe an opportunity to try to fire him uh, with cause, try to get out of a $4 million buyout. They ended up paying him, paying him the $4 million buyout. Uh, and then this, right? Not, not self-imposing a postseason ban, during his season uh, that he was there. So weird stuff. And we know, you know, who knows if that Ray Anderson, Herm Edwards relationship is factoring into this at all. Like that was the whole thing when he got there was that Herm Edwards, what Ray Anderson was Herm Edwards' agent, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. As I'm so sure that's Arizona state as an institution protecting Herm Edwards and not definitely not just one guy. I'm, I'm sure that's what's going on. <laughs> definitely. Here. You know, the institution loved Herm Edwards as a whole. Everyone was behind him. It had nothing to do with prior relationships with Ray Anderson, who is a great athletic director, of course. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's ASU self-imposing a postseason ban. Won't get to see them. Now Now, what I need to happen, I need them to finish top two in the Pac-12. I need them to go 9-3, 7-2 in would be so fucking funny. I need it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I absolutely need them to like be eligible for the Pac-12 title game and not go. Fuck it, Jaden Rashada Heisman season. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next piece of news here. Stanford and Cal talk about their realignment situation here. Uh, this latest round of realignment involves them going to the ACC, potentially, maybe, probably, uh, likely, I don't know. Uh, going to the ACC along with SMU, uh, the ACC's grant of rights and media deal go all the way through 2036. So Cal and Stanford would be joining that media deal. Uh, the reports of the details of this potential deal so far that SMU would actually receive $0 in media payouts for seven years, while Cal and Stanford will s- receive somewhere between 8 to $10 million a year. Uh, the Bay Area schools have been rumored to be in discussions with the ACC really ever since the Pac-12 uh, collapsed, but... Florida State, Clemson, and North Carolina all have repeatedly shot it down. Uh, We'll see if that has changed this week. Um, Maybe some things. It sounds like Florida State and Clemson are still out, but maybe North Carolina has changed its tune. Anyway, there's been a lot of noise and smoke here, and it feels like people are getting very close to confirming this, or at least, I don't know, it seems like we're coming down to the wire here. So, Matt, how about we start with you? Cal and Stanford to the ACC, you have any reactions to these bits of news or even uh, how that might fit generally? So initial reaction is obviously, what are we doing here? Um, Yes. We're going to have a satellite campus in like North Carolina or something like what I don't, what are we doing here? Um, Otherwise, like this is so very clearly an attempt to try to figure out a way to get more money available outside of the existing grant of rights and the existing contract that the ACC has 
two funnel to Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina. I don't know who the fourth is as far as as far as them not leaving, right? So, um, and them not just saying screw it, we'll take Saudi money and and, and exist outside of <laughs> of the NCAA or something. So, um, very clearly an attempt to try to figure that out. It's so like this whole idea. It, you've seen this going around a lot, and it, it definitely is. I find it to be disingenuous as far as like hold on, like. The Pac-12 together couldn't get $30 million per team, but separately, everybody's getting $30 million per team. Yeah, that to me is is fairly disingenuous. Um, I don't think so. It, it is. Specifically when you're talking about like the way that we are, like that's $30 million per team that is is greatly expanding, uh, rev, um, not revenue, uh, inventory, when you're talking about the teams that are going to be played in the Big Ten, in the Big 12, like a Washington versus Ohio state and Oregon versus Michigan is far more important and far more valuable to the TV money than Oregon versus Oregon state like that. You're getting more helmet games out of that. And again, when you're talking about like this ACC conversation, because the money is available, it's not because Stanford is worth that money. It's that they are trying to figure out a way to under the guise of including Cal and Stanford, get more money to Florida state and Clemson. So here's, here's my take on the, you know, this thing that they weren't willing to pay $30 million a year to the PAC 12 schools uh, collectively, but are willing to pay it to them individually. My thing is, is that we have been told by athletic directors, by fans of schools, by a bunch of people that, ESPN just hasn't had the money. The money wasn't there. Reed talks about this all the time, not to call out Reed. I think he's, he's one of many who are just trying to follow the reports and follow the facts here. But that ESPN doesn't have the money. They don't, they're, they're being tight on money. They're not willing to shell out the money. We're running out of media slots, uh, TV slots. It's just not there. We're, like we're not. They're not really. They don't really. They don't have the the capital. They aren't willing to invest in in sports rights anymore. Um, I, I think. It's clear that that's bullshit because they are willing to pay apparently $75 million for Cal, Stanford, and SMU to go to the ACC. Damn near, damn near $30 million a year if you really do some of the math maybe. Uh, Oregon and Washington are getting $30 million a year from Fox. Um, The Four Corner Schools are getting $30 million a year from ESPN. Like I do find it, I do find the whole conversation around this stuff to be pretty fucking stupid. I find, like, I I do think that this was not about money in TV slots. I think you're right, Matt. I think it it is about the consolidation of college football and the marginalizing of smaller brands, right? But like, that's the thing that I think people who are like not engaging realignment critically. That's the thing they refuse to talk about. I think they refuse to talk about the fact that it's actually not the money part. It's actually the fact that they get more money when they don't have to play like an Oregon state or a Washington state. They don't get more money when they don't have to play uh, any of these other smaller schools, quote unquote. Um, And that's like the most insidious thing about realignment um, is that, and and it's the one that makes the TV networks look bad. And it's the one that makes the conferences look bad. Um, Look the worst, at least like this idea that actually we, we actually don't want to play these smaller programs that aren't brand names we actually have to get them out of college football and get them out of the spotlight that shit's insidious it's not about money it's not about tv slots so i do think it matters that espn and fox are willing to shell out 30 million dollars a year to the pac-12 
except as long as they don't have to play Oregon State or Washington State. If I'm an Oregon State or Washington State fan, I'm fucking pissed. Like, I'm super mad. I'm super upset that they're willing to shell out for $30 million for every school in the Pac-12 except us. Um, but I think that's crazy. But it's also not those schools playing each other. People aren't paying attention to USC playing Stanford. They will watch USC play Ohio State. That is a tenfold value. Like Stanford and Cal are in the same position. <laughs> Greg, what are your reactions to this piece of news? My reactions when this happened was just like, why the fuck not at this point? You know, they already broke it. Who gives a shit if the Atlantic <laughs> Coast Conference has like the two most Pacific teams there are? Uh, it, it just, who cares at this point? Who cares? Regionality's dead. Like, it just doesn't matter. Nothing matters anymore in terms of realignment. I'm glad Stanford and Cal find, found a destination. I guess that's my primary reaction. I think it's hilarious that SMU isn't asking for any money. Uh, outside of that, you know, it's just whatever. I don't think any of us really expected Oregon State and Washington State to find a spot, even though we all wanted it. Uh, it's just the reality of the college football landscape. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Matt. I do, like, you talk about the insidiousness of all this, and you're absolutely correct, and it is 100% the reason that we keep talking about, like, so Rutgers is next, right? Like, mm-hmm. Iowa, Iowa State, you guys are next. Like, those, these, these other schools that are even, like, even the Iowas that have been an eight, nine win machine, right? Like, great. That's super cool that you have had good performance. You're next. And whether that's you getting removed from something still called the Big Ten or it's the top eight schools in the Big Ten leaving and joining a Super League or whatever that is, like creating their own individual conference or league, it, it's definitely where this is heading. Yeah, I I agree. And I feel like... I feel like right now a lot of the Big Ten schools feel like secure and happy that they've got a seat at the table. They shouldn't be. I don't think anyone should be. Um, I mean, I don't even think UCLA should be. I think UCLA fans are sort of like, oh, we secured ourselves a, a seat at the table. Look, if UCLA does not invest, is not competitive, doesn't capitalize on the brand power that it has right now, it will it will go the way of a Rutgers. Not get mm-hmm. it. They have better history than Rutgers, and they are more. They have better, more resources, and are better, better advantaged. Blah 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 blah. But if they go ten years, they go in the entirety of this media deal plus more time, just fucking tanking, going three and nine, four and eight. That shit matters for your long term brand. And do we think that UCLA is going to survive the next wave of realignment? That's the dumb thing, right? This whole thing has been like. It's made everyone susceptible to this, except for schools that are always going to be very, very good and have a big brand. Alabama, Ohio State, Texas, Michigan, those sorts of schools. But like, and USC, of course. Um, But like, you know, if you're an Oregon fan, it's like, or a Washington fan, right? Like, you're going to go into this league. It's more competitive. You're going to have half the resources that everyone else does. You're liable to get fucked at the end of this, too. Maybe not now. You've secured yourself a seat at the table right now. You've not secured yourself a, t- a seat at the table in seven to ten years. You just haven't. So I think you're right, Matt. I feel like this whole – it's going to come for everyone. And I think people don't really realize that, you know, it's, it's fun to dunk on everyone. I also think this is why – and I'm, I'm going to hate saying this. And I know that we kind of hate the Big 12 here. We're Big 12 haters. But it really does feel like the Big 12 is kind of the last thing standing in the way of consolidation. I really do think that. I do think that the Big 12 is, you know – Tech, no one wants Texas Tech. No one wants Oklahoma State. No one wants, uh, you know, maybe they want Arizona, Arizona State, but like no other, none of the big networks really want them. No one wants fucking Iowa State, right? 
And in some ways, it's like those schools deciding, you know what, we're going to band together and say fuck everyone else. We're we're and, and because of the because they have brands that no one else wants, they've maintained some stability and said, no fuck that, we're going to have a voice here. Um, and and I, you know, I understand the politics of those schools and all this other stuff, but like in terms of just resisting this this consolidation of college football, they really do feel like they're the last thing standing in the way. Uh, I I don't want to say that they're standing in the way just because. Mm-hmm. Uh, that implies that yeah, sure they've uh, contributed to it. it. Well, it's like <laughs> they they just are completely irrelevant to c- consolidation. Is how I'd how I'd position it. You know, the Big Twelve I think is a secure place because everybody there knows they're not wanted. You know, and so nobody there is worried about the league dissolving when the Washingtons and Oregons of their league finally get the invite we all know is coming. You know, uh, I just. Like, the Big 12 is a successful thing in the way that the ACC isn't because AC, the ACC has teams that are wanted by the big conferences and the Big 12 doesn't. And so the Big 12 is, I don't want to say immune, but, like, in significantly less danger. Yeah, it's it's less about resisting to me and more about, like, they're maintaining a structure for the eventual retraction. Yeah. Right? Like, for the, for the eventual, like, everybody can still come here and play. I, I want to – West Texas Mike said networks colluded to crush the Pac-12 because they were just tired of dealing with the Pac-12 as a block because their administrators are so goddamn stupid, stubborn, what, whatever, like, adjective you want to put in there, it probably applies. I think this probably has a lot of merit, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that there was definitely a lot of things that, as a block, there were not – concessions being willing to make and obviously as this block has torn apart all of a sudden stanford and cal are they're kind of okay with being in a conference with miami all of a sudden right like Mm -hmm. all all of a sudden some of these these academic uh stubbornness and requirements that they had are are no longer as important as that block has has kind of torn apart I, i think that that absolutely probably has some merit but I feel like we need we need stubborn people who are willing to act as 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 a block like that, right? It's like this is like the Rose Bowl. Like the Rose Bowl eventually capitulated. They were the ones that were difficult and hard to work with and they're not giving up. They're stubborn and they like and and what they were fighting for was staying keeping the Rose Bowl at 2 p.m. Pacific so that like they kept that time slot and so that you could we could people in attendance could have that beautiful backdrop of the sun setting over the San Gabriel Mountains, right? Traditions, things that we think are central to college football. Ro- the Rose Bowl the Rose Bowl was painted by networks as ah they're being difficult, they're being annoying, they're being stubborn, they're being old-fashioned. Bullshit. They were not being stubborn. They were not being old-fashioned. They were being traditional. They were trying to maintain any semblance of tradition in this new fucking landscape. And what happened? The networks and the bulls colluded and said, "Hey, uh, we're we're about to make you like the new fucking Las Vegas Bowl if you don't capitulate to everything we want. We're, we're happy to just move on without you." And what happened? The Rose Bowl capitulated. Um, so yeah, I I actually do I actually do appreciate, and I wish they were more stubborn. I wish the Back Twelve administrators were even more fucking myopic and more fucking stubborn to say, "Oh, it's actually important to us that we all stay together." That would have Kept everyone together, probably, right? Um, no, I hate the fact that they're they're changing to the shifting landscape. I actually deeply disdain and am, am deeply bothered um, and have a deep disdain for this idea that like uh, you've got to adapt to the landscape. No, you're shaping the landscape by adapting it. You made it that way. Um, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC, you made the landscape that way. You're not adapting to the landscape. You fucking made the landscape that way. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm of the opinion that I think. 
being stubborn like that is going to work in the long run. And I think the Big 12 is kind of stubborn like that. And to your point, Greg, about the Big 12, and maybe I'm doing too much Big 12 simping. This is fucking crazy for me. Avery's going to fucking lose her mind when she sees that I'm doing public Big 12 simping. The thing about the Big 12 <laughs> and the, and your point about their voice, they won't have a seat. It doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. I actually, I actually think it's going to matter. I think enough people will pay attention to the, just enough people to pay attention to the Big 12 that like, and, and the real thing that they won't have a voice in is how the college football playoff is structured, how the sport is structured generally, what the rules are, um, you know, who gets what what ability to get in, right? Like, you could imagine that, say, hey, we have a Super League now. We're going to have two conferences, and they're going to play for the fucking college football Super Bowl or whatever. Um, the Big 12 is going to have a, enough a, a critical mass of schools and fans and observers of the sport so that one of these days when Utah goes 12-0 and runs through the Big 12 and are ranked in AP polls in the top three and they get excluded from the Big 10, the SEC's little fucking games over here, that shit's going to matter. It will matter because people – it will put public pressure on people. And hopefully that doesn't turn into the Big 10 and the, and the SEC being like, well – We'll just pluck Utah then. Um, hopefully that's not what it turns into. But like I do think that that will matter. And I think that critical mass of schools will have something to say about it. So that's my only thing about the Big 12. Um, any other thoughts about realignment? Go ahead, Matt. Oh, I'm debating whether or not to do it because we've done a lot of realignment already. And it, we actually have real football. And <laughs> I'm tired. Like I know that when I'm listening to a podcast, <laughs> I'm sick of hearing about this shit. I, I do think that your point of like it's bullshit about adapting is is well said. I it's not adapting it's ambition, right? It's chasing extreme ambition and it's chasing like what ultimately kind of feels fruitless ambition, right? Like I don't know that as much as Oregon and Washington have like this extreme ambition, as much as UCLA has this maybe high ambition, I can't really tell whether or not they actually have it. Like USC will be the one that will get taken, right? Like whatever this ends up as a 15 or 20 league top, like premier league, I, it's not a guarantee that any of those are going to be in it. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like the big 12 maintaining the structure for the eventual retraction is, is going to be really important. And yeah, it sucks that like there is definitely just the late states capitalism, greed and ambition. That is kind of what is definitely ruining things. Yeah. Let's get off uh, realignment. I will say my last thought is that I really hope Cal goes fucking extinct. I, I really hope it <laughs> fucking crumble. Just why, fucking why disappear this, into the into the wind. Okay, I don't I do think not that I care. I don't think that I'm like entirely clear on this. Why why does the entire UC system hate Berkeley so much? Like why is it that everybody hates Berkeley like this in California? <laughs> Has to do with the calimony thing. That's so fun. They were so Cal fans were so fucking infuriating. <laughs> so mad. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> another another piece of news. Let's, we can go through this one super quickly. It's dropped early last week, so it's been a while. We should we should talk about it here real quick. Uh, and a stunning move. USC poached Washington AD Jen Cohen as their new athletic director. Uh, she started Tuesday of last week. If you've forgotten, USC fired Mike Bone after allegations of misconduct and general incompetence, and so now they've replaced him uh, with our girl boss Jen. Uh, Greg. Did you? What were your immediate reactions to Jen Cohen leaving Washington for USC? It was interesting. Certainly, it's not something that I had considered before. It, you know, started getting reported. Like I was like, ah, wow! Just a few years ago, Washington fans were talking about how much they fucking hated Jen Cohen. <laughs> and now, one hire ago, exactly one hire changed their view on Jen Cohen. Yeah, like it's not been long since they hated her. And now she's getting poached by USC, which is very interesting for what it's worth. 
I am not sure what I think about her as an AD. I think the, <laughs> the Kalen DeBoer hire was very good at Washington. On the other side of things, Mike Hopkins still has a job. So, like, you know, clearly <laughs> clearly some work to be done on her side. Uh, I think they could have done worse as a hire. They, you know, they got somebody who's been at a big athletic program and has had successful uh successful individual programs within that. So I don't think it's a bad hire, but I'm I'm intrigued is basically where I'm at. It's the most I'll say about an athletic director hire. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about you, Matthew? Do yeah, you have any uh, have, immediate reactions? I have exactly two thoughts and reactions and nothing more. Number one, this is so interesting. I keep hearing that Seattle has this booming economy and, and incredible potential NIL structure and so much money that should be able to rival uh, what exists in Los Angeles. And surely this is a step down for Jen Cohen uh, based off of what I've been hearing about what UW is able to bring in from a financial perspective. Um, <laughs> and, and my second reaction, and this has, I, I want to be extremely clear that this has absolutely nothing to do with Jen Cohen as a person or a worker or in any way, shape or form a, like a measure on her character. Can't wait to find out the scandal that, that she develops at USC. Oh um, yeah. Every athletic, dir- <laughs> every athletic director, this has nothing to do with her or a judgment on her. Very excited to see what she comes up with, uh, for, for, uh, for as the USC athletic director, that's going to be fun. It's like a, a beloved, a beloved local community leader joining, becoming a politician. And you're like, yeah, that person's so great. I love them. And then over time, you're like, wait a second, this motherfucker's so fucking ooh, sleazy and seedy. That's just gonna happen to Jen Cohen in a few months. It's gonna be like, uh, why is she fucking? What's a crazy like taking money from local real estate agents to hire them as their as the head coach of fucking the rowing team or something um good luck to jen cohen i actually think this is a great hire i mean uh, for football here's the thing you're right greg about basketball uh mike hopkins a very fucking terrible <laughs> basketball coach should have been fired for forever washington <laughs> fans don't really care about basketball that much they never really have usc fans they care even less about basketball so what do they give a fuck in terms of football i think it's great like okay she hired jimmy lake Jimmy Lake, kind of seen as a hot commodity at the time, but she hired Jimmy Lake, let's say that's a mistake. She fired him with, like, in less than a year, like, within less than two years. Like, half halfway through Jimmy Lake's second season, which, by the way, his first season was COVID, and he only coached six games. His second season, he only coached, like, five or six games. He didn't even coach a full season, really, um, worth at least in terms of worth uh, the amount of games they had. So she's obviously very quick to get rid of shit that's going sideways, which is good. Uh, I think that says something. Kaylin DeBoer, a very obviously easy, good hire. Like, it was sort of one of those hires that's like, you know, people are like, ah, oh, Kaylin DeBoer at Fresno State is pretty good. Like, I wonder if so- someone's going to hire him. Like, someone's got to hire him. Someone's got to hire him. Washington was like, yeah, we'll hire him. That sounds great. Um, and it's worked out so far. They got 11 wins. We'll see. She got out uh, before we got to see whether Washington was actually fraudulent and whether <laughs> Kayla DeMore was actually a good hire. No, but- no, you don't get to steal my narrative. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll see about that. I'm, I'm curious to see. I don't know. What is she going to have to do football-wise? Like give Lincoln Riley a bunch of money? I guess the one test she's going to have to do is – if Alex Grinch is bad, Forced Lincoln to Alex, fire Grinch is, Alex Grinch. That's the thing is, will Lincoln Riley want to fire him himself? Because that's his homie. I don't think he will. 
And so it's going to come down to Jen Cohen sitting Lincoln Riley down and saying, listen, you got to get this motherfucker out of here. Uh, we will we will fire ass. <laughs> it's adorable that you think that Jen Cohen's not hiring a football coach next year. Okay, you think you think Lincoln Riley, Riley gone to the NFL? Dallas Cowboy coach next year coaching. <laughs> I mean, whoever has the worst record and is getting Caleb Williams next year, Lincoln Riley is about to get paid. Oh, <laughs> that's good. That's real, real good. All right. All right, well, that is our news with Jen Cohen. That is our news for the Pac-12. Let's move on to make some game predictions. All right, before we get into it, Matt, how about you remind us how we did last year and what the rules are for points uh, that don't actually matter. Okay, that's right. So last year, because you guys were all upset about getting your ass beat on the win-loss record, uh, <laughs> you made me introduce a points total um, because apparently we had to make sure that we weren't uh, we weren't just picking favorites every game, which really was just a Greg issue, but even he wasn't winning. So yeah, who, who won last year? Just remind me. Cause... On points or on win-loss total? Both. Well, I, I know that I put this in the notes to bring it to me, but I didn't have it pulled up, so give me just a second. <laughs> Because right. I, I, for some reason, I feel like I won. D- that's because that's because you just picked the favorites. Of course, it feels like when you win, you're just like, yeah, you USC beat everyone. Um, yeah, Greg kicked our ass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to Greg do the same on system again. Let's do it. Seventy-one and nineteen. God damn. That's pretty did, good. Did he uh, kick our ass on points too then? Yeah, 72 points uh, to Avery's 68 for second place. So, I mean, like, he didn't, like, not nearly as close where, like, he was up by six wins on us. Um, he was boring, and and I will definitely say that. So, uh, on the points, not as much of an ass beating, but definitely on the win-loss record, he kicked our well, ass. Well, the points worked because, uh, you know, the whole thing was that Greg would only pick the easiest games, and, it, and the waiting system required you know, kind of incentivizes Yeah, the waiting to... system just made you guys pick stupid fucking games, and so I won. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, All right, well, so speaking of the waiting system, so if there is, if the spread is less than two and a half, like if you are picking less than a two and a half point underdog, you get one point. You don't get point, and you get a point for picking a favorite. Two points for three, two five and a half point underdog three points for six to nine and a half points and five points for 10 or more point underdog. Yeah. So the bigger the underdog uh, that you pick, the more points you get if they actually win. It's a very, very fun. All right. Let's see how this plays out in our slate this week. We got 12, 12 pack 12 games from Thursday at 5 PM to Sunday at 1230 PM. An absurd fucking slate. So let's get into it on Thursday, 5 PM Pacific on ESPN. Utah hosts Florida in Salt Lake City. The Moose are seven-point favorites. Greg, who wins, who covers? Um, This is Utah at home. It's also Utah with Bryson Barnes, presumably. Uh, if Rising's not healthy, Bryson Barnes will be the guy. Uh, that is kind of concerning to me, but then I remember that this is also Graham Mertz for Florida, and uh, it makes me feel safe again. So I'll take Utah to win and cover. Matthew Hubertson. Graham Mertz. Utah big, Utah at home. I truly, I think I could play quarterback, and I think we'd put up enough points. Yeah, uh, yeah. Give me Utah to win and cover by any amount. That team is fucking terrifying in Salt Lake City. Um, Reed and Avery right. also have Utah. 
Reed and Avery also have Utah. Thank you for keeping up on that. Uh, uh, that same evening on Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific on the Pac-12 Network, Southern Utah travels to Tempe to play ASU. This line is off on this one because SUU is in the FCS. But let's us all let's all assume that ASU wins. How much do they win by Matt? Man, why are we assuming ASU's winning? No, okay, all right. Uh, you're gonna go. You're gonna. I do gotta it? tell you, this is one of my like in the split zone duo universe of uh, FCS upsets. This was one of my favorite picks. I'm not gonna do it because I don't get a point total because there's no spread. But <laughs> man, those Thunderbirds. Are they good? Is SUU supposed to be good? They're decent. They're decent okay. in the Big Sky. So. Okay. I'm going ASU. I will go ASU, but uh, yeah, I mean, not not a sure thing. You don't get think, credit oh. for SUU winning if that happens. I just want you to know that. Mm. <laughs> Greg, well, Greg, what about you? you? You're also picking ASU to win. I think ASU is going to want to run up the score in Kenny Dillingham's first game, so ASU by 40. Yeah, I've, I've got the same thing. I think it's going to be like a four-score four score game uh, at minimum. I think ASU is going to be going to be pumped all right on friday at 8 p.m pacific on cbs sports <laughs> network stanford is traveling to fucking hawaii to play the rainbow warriors <laughs> somehow stanford is a seven point favorite in this really fucking stupid game that they've decided to schedule greg who wins who covers listen from what i saw of the hawaii vanderbilt game Hawaii looks much better than I expect Stanford to be. Yeah, so go Rainbow yeah. Warriors. They're winning and covering. Oh, shit. Okay. Matthew Huberton, are you going to follow along? The thing that's tough is that, like, yes, Stanford is traveling all the way to Hawaii uh, on a Friday night road game. We know how those work for Pac-12 teams. <laughs> but Hawaii is traveling from fucking Nashville. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii has to go home from Tennessee. Like, I... It's really a home I, game for Stanford. I, I really, like, I don't love this schedule. I don't love anything about this. This is the biggest stay away for me. I'm also on Hawaii for the upset, though. They've had a game. They've had a game to play. They're going to be ready to go. They didn't look horrendous. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I'm with y'all. I have Hawaii winning this game. <laughs> I think Stanford's gonna be bad, and Hawaii did not look good. Did not look bad against Vandy on the road. I've got Hawaii oh. winning this one. Avery also no, has Avery Hawaii Stanford. winning no, this she game. Said Stanford to lose. I was no she, oh, Stanford man. losing. So she's got Hawaii. She's got Hawaii in this game. Reed. He's got. No, he's the no, only Reed one. The graphics gonna look very he funny. Changed, he's he changed, the only he changed. No, he did not. <laughs> winning too. <laughs> That's insane. That graphic is going to be so fucking funny. I love this. Absolutely love this. Fantastic. Okay, all right, we're all, we're all I, picking Hawaii to win. I want to change. We can't We can't do this and have Stanford win. <laughs> we can't all pick Hawaii. <laughs> yes, we can. All right, fine. Um, God, what a weird game. I, I am so excited for that game now. Um, on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on Fox, Colorado travels to wherever the fuck TCU is. TCU are 21-point favorites. Greg, who wins who covers? TCU to win and cover. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I expect to see a worse version of what USC did uh, from Colorado, and I think a worse version of what USC did is pretty fucking bad. Matthew Brisson, yeah. who wins, who covers? Uh, SP Plus has this as a 26-point spread. TCU wins and covers. TCU kicks their ass. 
I, I does SP Plus consider the team talent composite? That's going to drop soon. You are the uh, dumbest. And I think boy. Colorado Colorado's talent level will be very close to TCU. I'm picking Colorado to win. This what? is my playing the social media You're game. Such a child. I'm playing the social media game. <laughs> Colorado fans are going to love me, but I actually think they will be extremely competitive. I think they will have a shot to win this game. I'm going to pick them to win. I'm really curious to see what they look like, um, but I do not think they are getting their ass kicked. I will say that for sure. Who is Colorado's Eric Gentry? Do, do they have Do they have one of those? Travis Hunter. Okay. They also have, and you right. know who there is, Zachariah Branches also? It's Travis also Hunter. Travis Hunter. Is, is Travis Hunter also <laughs> okay. playing all five offensive line spots and the defensive line? Uh, because he's got the same body type as their offensive line to do probably. <laughs> 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 oh uh, man Avery and Reed also picking TCU so Carlos stands alone <laughs> stand alone as I normally do uh, at noon on Saturday Portland State travels to Eugene to play Oregon on the Pac-12 network line is off for this one also because of Portland State and it's FCS so how much did the Ducks win by Matt? Um, a lot. I'm kind of excited to see what the offense looks like without Kenny Dillingham. I do think that like this is definitely a four-score at least game. Um, genuinely excited to watch this one. Greg? Yeah, I'm excited to see what the Oregon offense looks like. I expect to not watch the second half, though. So, you know, Oregon by a million. Yeah, this game is going to be concurrent with the... I've got uh, Oregon winning by like 50. Uh, This game is concurrent with the next game, which I think we will all be locked into. At 1230 Pacific, Boise State travels to Seattle to play Washington on ABC. The Huskies are 14-point favorites. Greg, who wins, who covers? Uh, I'm an Andy Avalos hater. Not because I think he's a bad coach, but because I wanted Brian Johnson to get the Boise State job. Uh... So, fuck Boise State. Washington's going to want to put up style points early. Washington to win and cover. Matthew Bertson? Uh, I have a narrative to uphold. Boise State. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, if I if I were a vibe reader, this would be my bad vibes game of the week. But Oh, you know, should we do it? All right, overstep. let's do it. No, I don't, I don't want to overstep. Okay, all right, all right. Um, I've got... Uh, I've got... I've got Washington winning but i don't think they cover i think it'll be a tough game i don't know i don't know anything about boise state except that they're always tough so give me give me uh, washington to win boise state to cover all right another weird ass road game for a pac-12 team cal traveling to north texas to play north texas on espnu the golden bears are just seven point favorites greg who wins who covers uh i i i'm confused on this one do i want like i'm sure Colorado will not cover. I mean, Colorado, Cal will not cover a touchdown spread. Do I want to take North Texas to win? Uh, I do want to take North Texas to win. Fuck Cal. <laughs> so yeah, North Texas. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, fuck Cal for me too. But oh my god, you know what this feels like? This feels like definitely the last year of a dead coach. Except I'm not sure they're gonna have the money to fire him. Feels like. All right, no, they've got the new quarterback now. Oh, yeah, no, things are looking good. I'm a little curious. I think they might actually be pretty good this year. And then they go and fucking blow it on the first game. Give me North Texas to win. This has uh, coach and program have mutually decided to part ways uh, at the end of this game. Uh, I am also (laughs) on North Texas to win. Oh, God. Uh, My God. Avery and Reed both picked Cal, so it's okay. But I, why the fuck are you going to North Texas? I know. What is, why is this <laughs> what are these athletic home? directors doing? 
look, we got a couple other of these that are fucking insane. So let's, <laughs> yeah, especially if you're Cal, like you're just being like, can we get, maybe this is our fire for cause against Justin Wilcox. <laughs> but I think this is going to be a fun game. I think this is legitimately yeah. going to be like a good game. <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, the next one on the slate here, 3.30 p.m., USC hosts Nevada in L.A. on the Pac-12 Networks. USC, a 37.5-point favorite. Matt, who wins, who covers? USC wins, but until they cover anything more than 30 points, I will not uh, take them to cover, so I'm picking Nevada to cover. Greg? I think in this game last year, USC covered that spread, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm also not comfortable. It's too big. It's it's too many damn points. So USC to win, Nevada covers. Yeah, I've got I've got the same thing. USC to win, Nevada covers. I don't know anything about Nevada, but I'm I'm really I don't know. I'm really shaken. I'm really broken up by that first USC game. Pretty weird. Uh, at 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, yet another stupid fucking road game for a Pac-12 team. Wazoo traveling to Fort Collins to play Colorado State for some reason. <laughs> the Cougs are 11 point favorites. <laughs> Matt, who wins who covers? Uh, Sicko's game of the week. Oh! oh These two teams fucking sucking. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I've missed it so much. I uh, I think Wazoo wins. I do not think they cover. I think this is this has like late game turnover for a score or to put you in field goal position to win written all over it. I hate this game. I think it's going to be so ugly. Like first team to 17 wins, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's... Greg, how are you feeling about this game? We'll talk about it more in the preview, but uh, the only betting thing in this I like is the under. Uh, I think Wazoo wins, yeah. but like 11 points feels like too many, so I guess Colorado State covers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've also got Wazoo winning, but Colorado State covering. I do not feel good about this game. I almost went with Colorado State, but I know Colorado State is big-ass cheeks. <laughs> Wazoo, though, I don't know. They might be big-ass cheeks this year, too. I do not have any confidence in them. And it's in, in Fort Collins. What is Wazoo doing? It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, all right, next game here on the slate at 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 Networks. Northern Arizona travels to Tucson to take on Arizona. No line again because their Northern Arizona is an FCS school. So by how much do the Wildcats win this one, Greg? Probably a lot, I guess, just because it's Northern Arizona. Last year's ASU team was able to beat Northern Arizona by a lot, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it'll be close. Whatever. Matthew Hubertson? God, wouldn't it be hilarious, though? It would be so funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to, would, would that be back-to-back -back losses to Northern Arizona for Arizona? <laughs> I thought they, they lost one, right? Did they play last year? No, no, no. But, they lo but the they last time they played was like two years ago, ago yeah. right? Oh, you're right. Because they did. Oh, yeah, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it would I be wanna, very funny. Now I want to pick it for the meme. Uh, no, I, I'm on Arizona. Um, yeah, definitely closer than, than you would want, though. Definitely like 21 point spread, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling about it, too. Yeah, I've got Arizona to win, but not, not by a ton. Okay. Decent amount, a little bit. Uh, penultimate game of the slate, the last game on Saturday night in the Rose Bowl at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. UCLA hosts Coastal Carolina. The Bruins are 14 and a half point favorites. Matt, who wins, who covers? Uh, I think UCLA wins big. I think they are able to run the ball down their throats and are just bigger than them. Um, I don't think that like it's really going to be much of a signal for what UCLA is going to look like this year. But yeah, I just I think they're just gonna run their ass over all day. Greg, what about you? My first instinct is the same. I think that 
UCLA is going to beat the shit out of them. The only thing that gives me pause is Chip notoriously does not give a shit about non-con games. And so maybe it's kind of like the South Alabama game from last year. But I'm going to ignore that, and I'm going to say UCLA wins big. Yeah, I think UCLA has some shit to prove this year. Big time prove it year, in my opinion. I think they win big. Really curious to see, but what's his kid's name? Grayson McCall, is that his mm-hmm. name at Coastal Carolina? Really curious to see how they so handle much. that. Good. Good, good first, uh, good first test for UCLA's defense. But I've got them winning and covering. All right, and to end the week, Sunday at twelve. Sunday at twelve thirty Pacific. Oregon State is traveling to San Jose State to play the Spartans on ZBS. The Beavs are seventeen point favorites. Greg, who wins? Who covers? Before watching San Jose State against USC, I felt good about an Oregon State cover in this one. San Jose State looked a lot better than I thought they would. And so I feel less good about that. All this being said, I still think I still think Oregon State gets it done. Matthew, what about you? San Jose State, you had your time in the sun against USC's defense, but now you're going up against Georgia's defense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm looking for them to not get to double-digit points. Uh, Oregon State by a ton. Bigger margin than the USC game. Mmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I'm feeling a little weird about this game. I think San Jose State, I don't know, they, I, I, again, USC's defense, but they looked a little impressive to me. I don't think they were lucking into a bunch of dumb shit either. I've got Oregon State winning this game. I think it'll be comfortable, but I don't, I think San Jose State might actually cover. Um, it's going to be in San Jose State for whatever reason. So I'm going to I'm gonna pick Oregon State to, to win, but I think they're going to miss the cover by a little bit. Uh, all right. That's it. That's all we've got. Let's end this right now. Uh, We'll be back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap all the week one football action. And, of course, we'll drop this into your podcast feeds every Monday at 5 a.m. Pacific. For now, that's Greg. That's Matt. I'm Carlos. Thank you for joining us live. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We'll see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not everyone. Still and thick with smoke So thick it makes you choke The crowd falls in The coffee's kicking And my patience are wearing thin Said I'm lonelier Than a single sax On a quiet city street Things aren't always green On the sunny side of the street Greg, can you send a calendar invite In case I can make it for some reason? Never mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I've, right, I've got to cool. put it on my calendar. I will send out an invite. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the pure Crazy panic George. that he had on his face. I'm going to tonight. I think I'll be a superstar. Now, can you?